I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, 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 and welcome, ladybirds and gentle lemurs, to the Human Nature Podcast. Here we explore the ups and downs of being Homo sapiens and learn a thing or two on how to be a better animal. My name is Elliot Connor, and I'm at least half elephant. But the star of the show today is none other than Peter Rowland, Australian birdwatching legend, author, and photographer. Welcome, Peter. Hi, Elliot. Thanks very much for having me on your show. It's certainly a pleasure to have you on the show today, and I'm a huge admirer of your work. But just for the benefit of the listeners, can you describe what you do in one sentence? In one sentence? Okay. I'm uh, a wife, a photographer and author, and a passionate conservationist. Perfect. There you have it. And having known Peter for some time, I know he certainly keeps busy with everything he gets up to. He's written for Australia Geographic as a columnist, published books such as Australia's Birdwatching Megaspots, and co-authored The Wildlife of Australia's Rainforests. He's a Whitley Award winner and also happens to be bilingual, speaking English and French. C'est très, très impressionnant. So yeah, tell me, I saw you just updated your website. Uh, what's in store for the year ahead? Yeah, well, there's, there's a lot of new book titles on. Um, so, yeah, I'm busy behind the scenes writing uh, some regional bird guides. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm currently working on a, a book with John uh, and another author, Angus, on wildlife of Australia's rainforests. Uh, so that's that's with the editors now. So hopefully that's uh, due for release around about August 2021. Uh, other than that, yeah, I'm 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 eagerly just sort of trying to get my uh, change in business focus. I guess I've been doing a lot of consultancy work, and now I'm doing a lot of things for myself. So part of that's upgrading the website, and um, yeah, trying to encourage a bit more participation from people I know in my field, uh, and uh, yeah, try and sell some books. That'd be nice. <laughs> wow, no, it sounds fantastic, and I know we're all wishing you the best of luck with it all. 
Uh, but on to the first question, and the one that sets up the show ahead. If you could choose one animal to be, which would you choose? I think that's a wonderful question. I, I, I suppose there's so many wonderful animals out there that I'd like to be. Uh, they've all got their good points, they've all got their bad points. Um, but I picked satin bowerbird today, one of my favourite bird species. Oof, well, that's lucky. I don't know how I guess you'd say that. But fortunately enough, I've prepared a show just for you about bowerbirds. So let's begin. You know, I was doing some reading up on bowerbirds just before this show, and I must admit, you've made a pretty fine choice there. But if you can explain your, in your own words, what were your reasons for picking the satin bowerbird over all of the other creatures you might have chosen? Well, I, I think the satin bowerbird is, is like, well, all the bowerbirds are amazing. Um, they're architects, they're engineers, they're decorators, they're creative. Um, we won't probably talk too much about the uh, the like, the um, side of them that like the males sort of mate with multiple females and don't do anything to do with the raising of the children. But from my perspective, I just think I love building things. I love decorating. I'm a bit of a hoarder. And the satin bowerbird in particular, especially in my part of Eastern Australia, is one of the most common um, bowerbird species. It's even like one of, a common bird in one of the urban areas. You go to a local park or a botanic gardens, you'll likely see a bower. And it's just fascinating that there's so much time and effort goes into building these bowers to attract the mate. And they're so pedantic about where they place their objects, what type of objects they use. It's just, yeah, it's really interesting to study them. Yeah, perfect, and that's reason enough for sure. Uh, but before we go any further, can you give the less bird-brained members of our audience a very brief description of what exactly bowerbirds are and these bowers we'll be talking about? Okay, so bowerbirds are passerines, so they're, they're perching birds or they're songbirds, depending on what you want to call them. Um, they show, in most species, they show extreme difference between male and female. Um, in the satin bowerbird in particular, the young males look just like females up until they're about six years old, and then they to take on the plumage of the, the adult male, as it were, or the mature male. Um, the bowers that the males construct are really just playgrounds. They're something that Charles Darwin actually described as a, um, I think what he called them, the play avenue. So there's something that is, uh, it's a, construct a construction of sticks mostly. Um, some build two-walled bowers that are like an avenue. Some build mudhole bowers, which are like up the side of a tree trunk. And some build really elaborate huts, um, especially the ones in Papua New Guinea, that, yeah, they're like little clay houses. And actually early explorers in Papua New Guinea thought they were cubby houses, like, you know, we would build a cubby house for our children. So the, the sole use of the bower is for the male to prove what a good um, supplier of DNA he would be to a prospective female. Wonderful. Now that's a perfect description, and I've got it here into a condensed format that a sort of male bowerbird looks like a poorly done woodcut of a seagull that's been dipped into blue ink and not quite dried. So that's the sort of image we're looking at for our listeners. 
<laughs> anyway, Peter, you mentioned you're into decorating, and I know with all the photography work you do, you will have quite a refined sense of art. Uh, so, is blue a favourite colour of yours? Why the satin version? Yeah, actually, I don't know. Blue or green, I don't know. But, yeah, definitely blue was one of my things. But, as you can see, I wear red glasses, and I, I suppose I'm intrigued that way, but blue is definitely, uh, I mean, who doesn't love a bit of satin? It looks just gorgeous, doesn't it? Yes, agreed. No, well said, well said. And of course, there's so many options to choose from uh, with the interior design we're talking about. Uh, Bowerbirds, of course, are famous across the different species uh, for the various uh, schemes they go for. I mean, there's this great Bowerbirds going for greens and whites uh, with this penchant for marble gathering. Uh, you've got golden-fronted Bowerbirds, going for coloured fruits, uh, which of course is more practical choice. Uh, you've got uh, Bogenkopf bowerbirds with their magnificent bowers uh, decorated uh, with the flowers, of course. And there's the Regent bowerbird, which is my favourite, uh, <laughs> decorating simply with this blue-green saliva. So I think if you want to go for the girls, that's not the one to choose. Uh, but yeah, tell me more about the work you do in your photography and how has that impacted you in the course you've taken? Um, actually, interestingly enough, I got into photography um, many years ago as a bit of a release for, I suppose, uh, well, to go back a little bit, my great-great-grandfather, who I never met, was a wildlife photographer, and I stumbled across his slide collection when I was about eight or nine years old, and I really became in, interested in wildlife photography, um, and probably more interested in wildlife itself. But I got into the photography as a bit of a release for some work pressures that I was under at a time and decided to get some camera equipment and go on a trip around Australia. And yeah, that became the catalyst for yeah, what I do today. I, I, I write books, I use my photographs as much as I can in the books. Um, I sell my prints uh, to people who want to buy them. Uh, I use them for charity work and things. So yeah, so I really enjoy capturing um, those wild moments that you get when you're out there in nature and you see animals do what animals do, you know? Amazing, amazing. And of course, it is these bowers you mentioned earlier which make uh, the bowerbirds so famous. Uh, there's a hint in the name. Uh, but uh, what, what I find most fascinating is the uh, optical illusions they create. Uh, so I'm sure you know uh, the placement of objects uh, changing in size closer to the bow eyes that forced perspective uh, which makes them really really remarkable uh, feats of engineering uh, feats of artistry another thing i found out uh, whilst researching this episode is that bowerbirds are actually the longest lived of any songbird uh, so up to 26 years for the satin bowerbird uh, which is another good reason for your choice i'm sure and the diet as well i mean are you a vegetarian I am a vegetarian, yes. So, uh, yeah, I do lots of blueberries are a favourite of mine. <laughs> there you go, there you go. And yes, some variety, certainly. So the fruit, flowers, nectar, leaves, uh, all on the menu. Uh, but I think you've made a wonderful choice there with the bowerbird. <laughs> There's certainly worse things to eat. Unfortunately, yeah. our time together is now drawing to an end. And it's time to move on to the second half of the show. Uh, so I'd just like to thank you, Peter, for joining uh, the Human Nature podcast today. We'll be back after the break for a quiz round uh, where Peter goes head-to-head -head against a trio of listeners to see who can claim the title of the birdiest nerd. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Elliot, and thank you very much for having me on. 
Welcome back once more to the Human Nature Podcast. Here on the show today is Peter Rowland, Australian bird watcher, photographer, and author. But as this is the Human Nature Quiz Round, he'll be facing up against a team of three randomly selected audience members for the chance to prove his top spot in the pecking order. Peter, are you feeling confident? Oh, I don't know. There might be some uh, pretty good experts out there, but I'll give it a go. <laughs> great, great. And joining Peter's team today, we have Chris, who is a wildlife photographer, famous for taking photos of whales out of planes, as I've just been told. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. Southern right whales, to be exact. Great, great. And up against those two, we have Zach Fernandez, who admits to not having known what a bowbird is until last night, stars himself off a peregrine falcon, but how fast are his wits? We have Annabelle Dornstein. Annabelle is a PhD candidate researching Christmas Island flying foxes, originally from the Netherlands. And lastly, we have John Harris, who is the principal zoologist at Wildlife Experiences, a Victorian-based ecological consultancy and wildlife tourism business. Welcome, all of you. Thanks, all right. How are we all feeling? Do you think you three can beat Peter and Chris at their own game? <laughs> Give it a go. We've got a bit of a chance. I like the spirit. I like the spirit. So for question one, we will have Zach versus Peter. The rules are oh, very God. simple. I read a question. The fastest to press their buzzer gets to answer. If you answer correctly, you gain a point. If you answer false, then you give your opponent the chance to steal. The first question is, which of the following bird names is made up? Your options are Horny Wick, Yaffle, Chakalaka, and Angry Bastard. <coughs> Peter. Mm, I'm going with Chakalaka. That is incorrect. Zach, you have the chance to steal. Wait, could, could I just hear the options again? You may. The options are Horny Wick, Yaffle, Chakalaka, and Angry Bastard. I'll go with Yaffle. Oh, unsuccessful on both counts. So we have real all after the first round. The correct answer was Angry Bastard. Of course, there were <laughs> busted birds, uh, but no bastards. Uh, no angry bastard, certainly. Uh, the horny wick is another name for the lapwing in the UK. Uh, Yaffle is another name for a woodpecker. Uh, Chakalaka is a South American water hen. Uh, so there are all true birds. On to question two. And for question two, we have Chris against Annabelle. The question is, name the bird that lays the smallest egg for its size. Oof. Oof. <laughs> and you're going to take the pun. We can open that up to the whole team. Who, who's talking? Who's, who's it you, Chris? Yeah, uh, ostrich. And Chris is correct. Very, very good. It is the ostrich. <laughs> One point to Chris and Peter. 
Great, great. Yes, it's the ostrich. And many of you will know that the kiwi is, in fact, the bird that lays the largest egg in proportion to its size. Uh, so that's the more famous of your question, uh, but the ostrich lays the smallest egg. On to question three, and that will be Peter against John. Peter and John, your question is, what sort of bird did the ancient mariner shoot? The ancient who? Sorry, you broke it. The ancient bit. mariner. John, John. Uh, albatross? It is not an albatross. So the line does say he shot an albatross, but he was actually at Cape Horn at the time. And we know from first-hand descriptions of the uh, text itself that it wasn't an albatross. Peter, would you like to steal? I'll give it a go. I will go with gannet. It was not a gannet either, but you're very, very close, both of you. It was a giant petrel. Uh, so uh, that is the correct answer. Many people believe it was an albatross. Uh, so again, we're not going too well on this quiz. Uh, we've got Peter and Chris on one point and Zach, Annabelle and John on zero points. Question four. So can we have Chris versus Zach? And your question is, which kind of bird lives the longest? Chris. A condor? It's not a condor. Zach, would you like to have a go? Um, a <laughs> uh, parrot? It's not a parrot, but that's a very, very good answer. Uh, parrots, certainly, and condors both live for a very, very long time. The actual answer is a Siberian crane. Uh, this, this crane happened to be called Wolf, which is an unusual name, to say the least. And it died in 1988, in fact, aged 83, at the Wisconsin International Crane Center. So, lived a very long and happy life, I'm sure, uh, but not quite as long as the Bowbirds we were talking about earlier, uh, which lived to up to 26 years. So I think both teams really need to step up their game. Now, perhaps I've ruffled <laughs> your feathers, uh, but the fifth question we have is very deceptively simple, and it's going to be Peter against Annabelle. So Peter and Annabelle, what do dodos taste like? Um, Peter. <laughs> okay. Well, there's two answers. Because dodos are extinct, they don't actually taste like anything anymore. Good but if you listen to Bill on the goodies, he says they taste like chicken. Ooh, I think I'll give you a point for that. I'll accept your first answer. In fact, dodos taste disgusting uh, by all contemporary accounts. Uh, they were called this disgusting bird. Uh, Sailors typically ate them with giant tortoise oil because uh, that was the only thing that made them edible and improved the taste. Uh, but you oh, are yeah. correct that dodos don't taste like much anymore. And uh, the only <laughs> dodo skeleton was burned. It was kept in a museum in Oxford, uh, but burned when they had to save space. Uh, so now we've only got fragmentary remains in all these institutions. Question six. Do we think that Zach, Annabelle and John can regain their pride, regain their points? Question six will have Chris against John. 
No. Chris and John, your question is, what is the smallest bird? Chris. Hummingbird of some species. Very good, very good. That was very fast. It's the bee hummingbird. Uh, it weighs about as much as a penny or a tea bag, uh, depending on how you measure things. Uh, but very, very small, tiny uh, bird. Uh, so congratulations on a correct. I'd like to raise a process on that. The question was, what is the smallest species, not what is the smallest family? Bad luck. We have descent in the ranks. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, we will lose points for arguing with the judge. That's right. <laughs> so we have Peter and Chris on three points, John, Annabelle, and Zach on negative one point. <laughs> Do you think you can come back? We always can. Great. I like the enthusiasm, Zach. Question seven. <laughs> We will have Zach against Peter. Zach and Peter, your question is, which creature is called the Peruvian bird by Indians, the French bird by Greeks, the Indian bird by Turks, and the Dutch chicken by Malaysians? Wow. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. I've said half of its name already. The question was, which creature is called the Peruvian bird by Indians, the French bird by Greeks, the Indian bird by Turks, and the Dutch chicken by Malaysians? <laughs> um, Peter. What was that? I'll go the ibis. It's not the ibis, but you're very, very close. A similar shape, certainly. Zach, can you get it for one stolen point? Um, it's a bird well, everyone will have heard of. Well, I don't really know what's similar to an ibis. Is it like, I don't know, like uh, um, a, a pelican? It is not a pelican. It was a turkey. So you're both very close again. I'll give Peter half a point for being closest, perhaps. Uh, so we have three and a half points to Chris and to Peter, and we have negative one point to Zach, Annabelle, and John. <laughs> well, 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 you don't have very many questions to make it back on, that's for sure. Three more questions left. So for the past three questions, for the three questions remaining, we will have the entire teams playing to even it up. And the next question is, can you tell me what kind of bird has been known to practice prostitution? Every bird. <laughs> so you're correct that many birds are polyg polygamous, uh, they're unfaithful, and that came up, I know, earlier in our discussion today, uh, but very few uh, are prostitutes in a conventional sense. Can you name what kind of bird might fit that criteria? I'll give a stab in the dark. Peter. I would say that maybe a penguin? A penguin is the correct answer. Very well done. Oh. Peter is storming ahead. It is the Adelie penguin. 
which has been researched most and been shown uh, to practice this behavior. But there's all sorts of weird uh, sex lives going on with birds, as you rightfully know. Uh, there was an Ig Nobel Prize won uh, for uh, ducks when a uh, duck was shown to practice homosexual necrophilia after <laughs> uh, trying to mate with a fellow that fl fe flew into a window. Uh, so uh, all sorts of fascinating things going on. Uh, but the Adeli penguins, yes, are the prostitutes among birds. So Peter, you have done remarkably well and you are on four and a half points along with Chris. John, Annabelle, and Zach, you are still on negative one point. Do you think you can get a point before the end of the quiz? Question nine is which bird can see with his eyes shut? Um, I think that was Chris first. Chris. Now. Is it, the, is it an owl of some species? Ooh, I'll give you half a point for owl, if anyone can get closer. Um, like, is it like a specific type of owl? But, ooh, you're very, very close. It lives in South America. I would have said an oil bird. <laughs> it's not an oil bird, no. The correct answer was a potu. Ah, yes, yeah, yes. So you were very, very close with all of your guesses, of course. Uh, but uh, that is the correct answer. And so Peter and Chris, you are on five points. Uh, John, Annabelle and Zach, you are on negative one point. But to raise the stakes, it is last question will win it all. So if you can get this question correct, you get 10 points. OK, do you think you can do it? Yeah, sure. Let's give it a go. Wow, that Just was very fantastic. Bring it home at the end. Very rigged. Very rigged. Come on. <laughs> Final question. How much chocolate can a bowbird safely eat? I need a bit. I would say... John knows John. John his butter in first. Uh, very competitive. I'd say safely eat none because of the chemicals in the chocolate. That is correct. John, you have won the game for your team. Congratulations. At most, uh, about one or two M&Ms worth, so very, very little before it dies, uh, but safely. No, I'm a privatist here. That's, that's not acceptable. <laughs> He's a specialist. He shouldn't get that. Uh, he should be allowed. He should be half of his point. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you all for being part of the game show today. Congratulations <laughs> to John, Annabelle and Zach for a very, very late comeback. Apologies <laughs> to Peter and Chris for an unfortunate late demise. Mm. Uh, but thank you oh. all once again for joining the show today. And I'll see you next week for our second episode of Human Nature.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.